Hello, and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and this is our Wednesday show, where we niche down to a single topic, think about a question, and unpack the rest. Today, we're asking, how does the build-in-public mindset impact the way that startups are built? And I am here to talk it all through with my favorite colleague, Alex Wilhelm. Alex, how are you? I'm tremendous, because we just had a very, very important conversation about office cleanliness before jumping on the mic. (laughs) And uh, that's a public setting in which we write and build and so forth. And so I think it's actually very topical to discuss mess in the context of uh, being open. <laughs> and speaking of mess being open, building in public, TechCrunch and us, actually, Equity is opening up TechCrunch Disrupt this year. And I want to do a quick plug for that. Um, how do we feel about it? We're about like less than a month away. Is there anything we can tease out? I, I don't think there is. Uh, other than the fact that like I'm going to kick off the show and then I'm going to self-introduce the podcast and then I'm going to sit down and do a podcast. So we're going to discover how good our AV setup is to handle the different mics <laughs> required for that. Uh, no, it's going to be a real blast. Each day of Disrupt, we'll start with one of the podcasts. It's going to be Equity. Then I think Chain Reaction on the next day, then Found on the last day or something like that. It's going to be a real scream. Sounds about right. And you can use code equity for a solid percent off your Disrupt tickets. So do that. We're less than a month away. It's going to be really fun. And I think it's the first time all three of us have been together, uh, us three being Marianne, you and me, since we were at Crunchbase. So I think there's a huge reunion that has to happen on stage um, and it'll be fun. Also, I just can't wait to see everyone else. Like, I mean, selfishly, yes, I want to hang out with the whole podcast crew, Teresa and so forth. But like also like, you know, a lot of TC has joined since the pandemic. And so it's going to be it's gonna be a blast also like just everyone that i used to see frequently at disrupt you know what i mean like we used to yeah it's so strange to be going back to the old world we have to start to see people that we dunk on on equity in Ah. person and that's gonna be a treat but but let's (laughs) stay with the idea of this remote world and how we express ourselves because i think building in public has been this idea in the background very much over the past few years in startups and i thought we could start alex with your definition of what it is Yeah. So at a very high level, the way that I think about this is building in public is the opposite of stealth. And stealth is when a startup is not only not talking to the media, but may only have a placeholder website up and they're building out of the lens of the public. And essentially they're doing stuff that they're going to bring out later in one big whoomph. And there's some advantages to that for certain products, certain competitive advantages, Totally understand. On the far side of this, keeping it brief, um, building in public is when you not only share things like roadmaps, feature upgrades, issues, things that are going well, but also in many cases, financial results and other sorts of metrics that other companies keep to themselves. I completely agree with that. And I think there is this like slight difference, but relationship between building in public and going direct. We saw a lot of startups start to just, you know, announce that they're going to hire or announce that they've raised instead of coming to a media outlet or going the traditional PR route. And so I feel like there are some interesting tensions to play on there, which is the difference between kind of the intent of building in public. But we'll we'll get to it in a little bit. I wanted to really start by setting the scene of why we're talking about this today. Over the past few weeks, we've seen two examples of companies that are building in public and actually trying to get others to do the same experience honestly, some volatility. I mean, there's Launch House, which we talked about. It's a hacker home turned into a founder fellowship, has raised tens of millions, and is currently under investigation due to allegations of assault, poor management, and harassment on its watch. And then there's OnDeck, which is on an entirely different spectrum of controversy, but it offers similar programs to founders looking to level up. And uh, they've had two rounds of layoffs. They've moved their co-CEO into an executive chairman position. It's 
they're reacting to a little bit of like their fragmenting focus. And I feel like these both examples made me want to talk a lot about building in public, but also how community founder services and hype fits into this equation. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all quite a good mix. Uh, the example that I'm going to bring up later on is a company called copy.ai, who's also been building in public. And they fit my very, uh, frankly, narrow, if not tailored perspective of what counts as building in public. But Natasha, to, to broaden our lens a little bit, uh, tell me why LaunchHouse and OnDeck are examples of companies building more publicly and why they came to mind when we approached this topic. Yeah, I mean, I think that they both had this really, honestly, it's it's a great marketing play where there are building communities. And so, of course, they're going to be talking out loud about those communities and how impactful it is. And so with Launch House, we saw them, you know, live stream their pool jam sessions in these hacker homes. And for them, that was a way to market themselves. On Deck is the same thing, right? It, it, you, you knew it's this founder community. It's all about founders who want access to more networks. And the only way you get attention as a network is if people really know about you and can apply to you. And so I found both of them, these like kind of cool examples of companies trying to productize community. And as a result, talking a lot about it out loud. <laughs> well, I, I think the community aspect isn't trivial to the concept of building in public because you touched on something earlier on that I think that I think matters, which is making noise is a way to bring attention to your product or service. And frankly, community is what you want to have around your company as you build it. You want to have uh, power users. You want to have people out there evangelizing what you're doing. And in fact, we've seen a lot of companies put together events just for their users and yeah. vendors and uh, consultants that use their service and so forth as a way just to bring together their community in one place, um, often, frankly, kind of at a subsidized conference price level just to make it kind of economically viable for everybody. But I think building in public and community are intrinsically linked. They definitely are. I mean, I think about, I guess it's, it's a good introduction into like the first question or bucket I want to talk about, which is how does building in public range in terms of sector and user and stage of startup? Launch House and OnDeck are two examples of companies that are in their early-ish stages. They want to help other early stage founders and are prioritizing community. But let's take a Airtable or a Notion, for example, their definition of community is very different and it has to do with enterprises. And there is still a lot of building in public that makes sense, but it's a little different. I don't, I don't know if there's like sectors you think completely shouldn't build in public. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, government facing cybersecurity or <laughs> government facing cyber weapons, defense contracting. I'll take it. <laughs> missile design. <laughs> Where do they put the hatches on the outside of the subs? You know, that sort of thing. Probably not top of the list. Fair. Yeah, I mean, I, to be clear, I think that the hatches on the sub are on the top of the sub, at least last time I saw a war movie. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think we tend to see this amongst earlier stage companies, to answer your question seriously. And I think the reason why is it's a rush to build a company in the early stages when you have some form of accelerating traction. Because you're so proud of yourself. You're so proud of the business and the product and your users. You want to go out there and tell people about it. And so the yeah. examples that I have in my brain when I think about building in public tend to be... I'm going to put a kind of a cap on this pre-series B for lack of a better phrase. Okay. Yeah, I, I take that. It kind of makes me a little bit more cynical about it too, that that's the reality because is it just that the incentives completely dry up when you're a series F company or you're about to file to go public that it no longer makes sense for you to share metrics? That to me then takes away from the authenticity of a series A company building in public because is it only momentary? makes me kind of, yeah, I kind of think that it's just for, it's just truly for marketing. There's no other kind of greater cause. Well, I, I think as you get bigger, the ability of the founder to set a strategy gets diluted. And so you end up hiring people. You might hire a 
CMO who might have a VP of comms underneath them and they might have a staff. And so then there's going to be this entire decision-making process. Maybe there's an external PR firm as well. And so when you think about what you share, how you share, you become probably much more tactical and therefore yeah. less personal and therefore probably less revelatory. And so when I think about early stage companies that have done this, you can list a couple. Later stage, it's kind of a thin list. Uh, Ignite, um, which is a enterprise file sync and storage company, has been pretty clear over the years about their growth and profitability. So shout out to Vineet Jane for that. And then yeah. I guess Databricks, because they've been sharing ARR numbers on a, every couple of quarters, which I think has been helpful. But the examples are thin at the late stage, which is a bummer. Right. I mean, the best example I can think of is like, I think Salesforce Mark Benioff, he has his email address in his Twitter bio. And I'm like, I, I guess that can be considered something about you building in public or accepting the appearance of building in public. <laughs> Look, if you give me three EAs, I too will read all my email. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it's it's like this weird, I think, like, yeah, it's it's a weird kind of elephant in the room for these companies that are really sharing. But before we get to some of the consequences and why we see people to do it less, like, I, I want to talk about an example that you brought up, which is Copy AI. And it's it's kind of an example of you don't just need to use it for marketing and to get people for signups. Like, what else does building in public do in Copy AI's case? Well, I think it's all positive stuff. I think there is an element of public good in sharing numbers because it provides a series of benchmarks that other founders can look at to see what performance looks like in the real world. Um, yes. Not when it has been you know, processed through an internal operation, then shared to, to a journalist, and then reprocessed on our end, and then vomited out into a blog post. Sharing raw information provides real data that I think is very helpful to other founders. But in the case of copy.ai, they were sharing things. I think it was like a, a weekly thing that Paul was doing over there. It was yeah. like a, a Twitter thing. And they shared like, net ARR ads, you know, where they got press mentions, um, headcount growth. And they were just sharing like essentially the pulse of the business. And so I think it made people one, see them earlier, see them more often and know that what they were building had traction. So I think people were probably like, all right, cool. What is this copy.ai business and why is it growing so quickly? And I think what's so important there is that copy AI does not have like a direct incentive to share all that information. I guess what I'm trying to say is with copy AI, them sharing like their numbers is not going to get more people to necessarily jump on the copywriting tool bandwagon. It helps with their name recognition. But I guess in a way, like them sharing their ARR or their signups or their churn to me is like that that one, it's it's not just marketing. It's a little deeper than that. Is that a fair? Am I being too nice? Like, is that fair? It seems like you're trying to draw a distinction between marketing that is um, sheer gross. And I don't even really yes. mean that in a dissy way and more that is uh, sufficiently personal as to be slightly different. Yes, thank you. It's like it's like a it's a full definition of building in public, which versus the building in public that just favors a certain narrative at a certain time to get you a certain customer. And I want to see more of the former. I, I, that is to me is like the uncomfortable dance to do than the one that uh, of being like, hey, like my story was the best read story this week on TechCrunch. Easy, easy to say. Talk about the stories that don't get read, Natasha. You mean all the stories that I write? <laughs> that would be too but a, but a tough. <laughs> tough September. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I am the absolute king of writing a piece only for myself and then the 12 people who also think like I do. Um, but <laughs> it's one of the best parts of writing for a blog. Unlimited column inches. Um, to yeah. your point, though, about only sharing things that make you look good. I mean, not to, I feel like we've picked on uh, Launch House a lot. So I, I don't mean to, to drag them again here, but like the pool thingy. 
People like to see people in pools. People like to see people having fun, call it work. And suddenly it seems like the cool place where people are doing fun things. You can see why that's a net positive. But then Natasha, when we were talking about the Medify layoffs, we saw that company not only talk to us about it, which is actually in and of itself somewhat rare, but also we saw the CEO detail in an investor letter he shared publicly a lot of information. And frankly, you know what that did? That made me have a lot more goodwill towards the company, its decision-making process. It wasn't canned bull. It was useful, yeah. hard data. Back to my point about helping other founders. A hundred percent. Like I think the biggest utility of building in public is helping other founders versus in Metaface case, for example, I doubt that like the students that want video game coaching care about Metaphy's runway. Like there is such a gap between their end user and them getting more revenue and them sharing more information publicly. And yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot about this idea that Medify talked to us during a layoff uh, that they made and they published that LP letter. Like you said, they shared their specific numbers on active coaches, students, sessions booked, monthly GMV, cash on hand and monthly burn. And I will say, like, it's it's the layoff story that has completely changed my perspective on how public companies are. So to see Medify actually respond to the request for comment, it, it really stands out. I don't want to like throw them all the applause, but it it really stands out. I've been getting the most canned statements from some of the most public facing, we are changing the world people. Um, And so to get like an authentic one to me is like, we should have more of that, obviously. I mean, it's amazing how much a more transparent company and founder stands out from the usually walled gardens that exist. I mean, I mentioned Ignite earlier, and if you're Googling, that's E-G-N-Y-T-E, that's how it's spelled. I've been talking to that company for I, I want to say almost a decade. It's it's probably not quite that long, but a very long time. Because yeah. whenever I sat down with the CEO, he would just tell me things. I would ask him questions and he would tell me the answer. And I learned so much. Yeah. I mean, he would tell me about where they were hiring inside sales reps and why and how their strategy was evolving and how cheap he was and how when they moved to a new office in South Bay, he like, that's my old couch. I, I'm keeping it, you know, like, and so like I had such a better picture of the business and how it was operating that I, I, I cared more. And I wonder yeah. if that translates outside of our circles. Not to get too journalist notebook-y, but I think that maybe like 5% of my conversations every month are in the bucket of Ignite, where you feel like they're telling you things that don't have a bow on them or an incentive around them. And it's, I don't think it's because I'm cynical necessarily. I think on both ends, sure, there's cynicism in the market and that makes people want to clam up. But there's also like a lot of like storytelling and, and heavy lifting that happens behind the scenes that I do imagine you have to be a certain kind of confident founder in order to be the person who talks so candidly about their business. And I think that varies based on your privilege, right? If you are a woman of color and you got your first seed round, I understand that you may not want to talk about your challenges as publicly because there's already so much bias against you. And I, I didn't even plan to bring that up, but that, that was just something that came to mind when you said that. So I want to I want to loop back and not forget something because we were talking about going direct and building in public. And I do yeah. think that there is a non-combative way in which those things work together. And I wonder if, as we talk about who does this and who it advantages, I wonder if we should tease out the distinction between those two and, and why they're not the same. Yeah. I mean, I think going direct has this connotation of the press doesn't help you with your message. We are going to share it on our own terms with our own branding and our own interview questions, honestly. To me, going direct at times can be 
wanting to avoid the skepticism or the scrutiny of a third party. And so, for example, when Andreessen launched Future and was going to cover its portfolio companies in that, there became this big debate on, is this journalism? And I think there had to be kind of this realization that like, if you do go direct, you do lose some of the signal, which is that a journalist, not to hype us up, but like a journalist looked at this company. It has no, they have no financial stake in covering this company and asked you hard questions. And so that's what I think going direct is. I think building in public obviously fits in because it takes this founder or this group going directly to their audience. But to me, I don't know. I think the biggest difference may just be that like it's more numbers based or it's a little bit more, depending on who you are, it's a little bit more like toot your own horn versus going direct is a little like here's a news item or here's how we define our news. Yeah. I, Maybe I it's think- semantics. No, well, I mean, I, I'm just thinking this through as we talk about it because I, I don't have an absolute, you know, preformed view, uh, which is kind of the goal of the Wednesday show. Actually, now that I think about it, is <laughs> kind of just think out loud. But yeah. going direct, I think, does have the connotation attached to it of the media. Right. We're just going to do our own blog, and I'm totally fine with people having their own blogs. In fact, I, I read a lot of corporate blogs because it lets you know how a company is trying to position itself in the market, which is a data point that I need to have. Building in public, though, I think it, it implies a level of transparency that may include the uncomfortable, whereas okay. going direct, I think, is more like let's handle our own promo versus let's have an open environment in which we're sharing the data, sometimes it, which may not be something that we're incredibly excited about. Everyone has a bad quarter. I love that. I love that. I think a lot of companies think that they're building in public, but they're really just going direct now that you say that. Um, yeah. And I think with the the other differentiation I'll add with building in public goes to a point you made earlier, which is like, by doing so, we, journalists get these truths, but so do other founders. And I think startups, like the way the world works is oftentimes a idea is shared, it's repeated, and suddenly it becomes a fact where you need to hit this goal before you get to this stage. But I feel like a focus on th- this show on like, all over startups is like reversing some of those startup myths. And so I think like sharing how many employees you need before you do this or why this layoff had decreased this much in personnel costs ends up kind of breaking those myths down. So I I think if you're a founder that wants to help other founders, building in public ends up being a better playbook for you. Yes. That's actually a great way to think about it. Building in public helps everyone who's looking at your company admittedly self-servingly the journalists, but also I think other founders, <laughs> employees, potential employees, potential customers, because they're seeing the raw data. The thing that you get from a public company, which is regular disclosures of material events, sharing that stuff before you're public is, a, I think, building in public. Uh, whereas going direct is like, we hired a new CFO. Here's our, here's our yes. very positive take on it. That's just like, self promo again not a, not opposed to it if i was building yeah. alex inc i would be blogging up a storm about how handsome i am and how i'm six foot seven and how i drive oh, lamborghinis yeah. on top of my yacht and so forth so you know <laughs> but i mean i think building in public has to have an element to it of sharing more than just what is winsome about your business i want to bring up one other i guess like definition conversation before we get into some of the consequences and transparency, which is, I guess, actually, let's start, let's jump right into the consequences because to me, there's like this fear and something we've seen play out where OnDeck, for example, admitted that they, they were seeing all this attention. They wanted to launch a bunch of products. And at some point that fragmented their focus, them going so broad and getting honestly so much clout for doing all the things they did fragmented their focus and was one of the reasons they say they've had to reduce their team twice in a matter of months. And so, At times, I think one of the biggest consequences of building in public is you get 
you know, all this. And when, when the times are good, you get all these thumbs up and this like, honestly, Twitter likes and retweets and a followership. Yep. Uh, that can be confused for progress. Even as journalists, we can have a ton of followers, but we could have not published a scoop or published something thoughtful in weeks. Hey. And it's, 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 it's me, 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 <laughs> Af. Um, I was like, <laughs> stop pointing fingers at me. <laughs> it's, I think there's like kind of like this toxic mentality where it's like, you kind of feel like you're making progress when you're really not, um, if you're building in public and that's like kind of how you define your worth. So I think there has to also be like this vulnerability where it's like, if you are doing this, are you doing it for the right reasons? And is it doing what you want it to do? Like you should check in with yourself as a founder is building in public something that's actually sharing what I want or is it just making me feel like I'm doing something Yeah, I'm not well, really doing something? I, I appreciate that. And I, I think it's a, it's a good point, but I think transparency as a general point starts at the lap of the founder or CEO later on, if, if they've swapped out, who's, uh, you know, looking over the whole, the whole enterprise and it builds out from there. And I think, yeah. you know, some of the best companies in terms of success, like financial success, have had cultures of transparency. Like I think at like Alphabet, they had like a, a weekly Q and A with the founders. And I think, I think there's been ability at, at uh, sorry, Meta now to ask um, questions and so forth. And so I think there's, there is in companies that tend to do well, more open communication in general. And I think that ethos probably bubbles out to the point at which we see some companies building in public, which would be the most extreme form of this and also my personal favorite. Um, but I do think that the more lockdown a company is from the start, the lower the chance of anything else happening. So I think we can actually infer quite a lot about a company's overall structure based on what they do share publicly and, um, and how they handle, as you said, the consequences of, if things aren't going as well, do they yeah. claim up suddenly? Right. And I, th I think the the clamming up, especially when you've told your consumers, your employees, your executive suite that you are this company that builds in public, when you get quiet and send that layoff memo or kind of fire everyone in one Zoom, like I think that's where the hurt begins and where there was kind of like this adjustment of companies that touted these huge missions during the pandemic, but then and family and those kind of wordings. I, I'm bringing in a lot of different themes because I think building in public is so vague, but I think that I think that's one of the consequences is that you kind of sell a vision that you don't actually believe and can't actually scale. So for the employee that was there with you during your Series B round, seeing how you treat them during their Series E round can be a really difficult pill to swallow. And I don't necessarily slam any founders for changing their mind as they get older as a company. Ah. But I think that that just like, I don't know, you kind of realize as an employee, like that building in public does have some sort of like, it has an end date. Why? And so I, I want to say that out loud. Why? It, it has an end date because capitalism, right? Like you, your company can tell you a narrative and you can believe it's true, but when that doesn't serve the company anymore, they're not going to put themselves in a position just so you feel good about transparency. And we've seen a lot of examples of that and maybe less on the building in public front, but more on like the mission front. I think about a lot of like healthcare companies that have had to lay people off or it's been like, why are we focusing more on marketing instead of the actual efficacy of our product when we were sold on being an efficacious product? I think sometimes like when you overmarket and overbuild in public, but then don't actually execute on it, employees end up getting screwed over. Like they are the ones that feel the hurt when building in public doesn't pan out. I think it's more like expect. when building doesn't work out and then suddenly building in public is less fun. Because yeah. think about it this way. If you can be a build in public company when you're seed series A, series B, and then you go public after your series E, why do you have to be build not in public for those three stages of life? Like, I mean, the, yeah. if the goal is to go public, right, which has that phrasing for a reason, because it involves being more 
public. Why do we just presume that late stage companies, the ones that have the fewest surprises because they're bigger <laughs> and have more mature sales processes and leadership, why would those be the companies we expect to clam up? I think it's just an over caution amongst the consultant class, if you will, and that includes VCs. But I, I think it would be better just to be more public in general because it's not like the results are different if you talk about them or not. They're still the results. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I guess what I'm trying to say is like when what you start selling becomes a myth or starts to look the other way. And if you don't do a good job of front running it, that's when people get hurt. And so I agree. I think it's like the building that's the issue, less like the choice to share it publicly. But I mean, I, I've seen what you're saying. So I, I don't mean to, to undercut or dispute. But no, like, no. so Mattermark, before I worked there for about a year, was sharing really great posts on their growth and how you know their ARR wasn't indicative of their total revenue they'd had in the last 12 months and they had charts and and then they began to share less over time as the results were slightly less exciting right but I, I you know and I, I think it's kind of known that is a risk that is a consequence of doing this but you know uh, everyone who's listening to this has a startup that will only go up into the right so they don't have to worry about it <laughs> I, th I think like when I was talking to some investors from Launch House about the way that they felt blindsided by the Vox investigation and just hadn't heard from Launch House in a few days, it was this really like pointed example of a company that was all about community, not talking to its community when its community was threatened and, you know, talking about these allegations. And so I think that's what's kind of in the back of my mind as I'm carrying this, which is like, if you're going to promise it and build the company on it, you do kind of owe it as a company to like talk about it when it's hard. Yeah, but I, I would I would flip that around and say, instead of mission-driven companies or community-first companies being more conservative about building in public, I think they just have a higher bar to meet yeah. because they are trying to be a mission-driven company or a community-first company. And so they should be more in public to prove that they're living up to their own myth-making or hype. You yeah. know, if you're going to, if, if you tell me X, prove it. Exactly. And I'm kind of glad that people are in a more realistic, I don't want to say cynical, but realistic spot when it comes to like startups and the allure of tech. I think the layoff spree and just like the market recorrection has definitely reminded people that it's not always up and to the right. So hopefully like the shared experience of all of us being refocused has, has done that. I want to end with if startups are getting more transparent or less. So Erica Wenger, who works for WorkLife, said that she recently heard lots of founders and VCs talking about going into, quote, dark mode, where they take few external calls and just build for months, aka kind of maybe try and reverse stealth a little bit. What do you think yeah. about this idea? Like more of this, less of this? I don't really know. It, it depends on where your company is. Like, let's say you had big plans. You were going to raise a, a big round this summer and you were going to hire a bunch of people and do a bunch of stuff. And then you realize that nah, not going to happen. Market's all weird. You got to wait. Um, putting your head down and building for a while seems fine. Absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't think building in public necessitates monthly updates. I think copy.ai set a very fast cadence for that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's the requirement. Yeah. And if you wanted to go away for a couple of months, only talk to customers and build like hell, Cool. Sounds that doesn't important. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Maybe say that. Yeah. Maybe be like, we are not going to be taking calls for a while. We are going to go uh, off to the mountaintop and build. Then, then I know not to call. Yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I agree with that. I, I think about like the people who have last spoken to only through layoff statements. And if they came back to me, I mean, ClearCo has done a good job of this. They've actually come back to me since having their layoffs and been like, we want to talk about the future of our company. Like, do you want to talk about it? And I think a lot of it is not going to be like, here's our next seven products we're going to launch. It's going to be kind of what you said, where it's like, we're just going to focus for a little bit. But that yeah. says so much to us. And I think it says a lot to like what maybe you should be doing right now, which is like, 
kind of turning inwards. Uh, it's also the end of the year, so I feel like people are starting to like rewind and settle down. <laughs> it's still Q3 for like three more days, two more I don't know. days, whatever. I feel like it's it's almost da- like ten dash something. So like, I feel like we're almost there. I, it is kind of like oh. I, I know this is a tech run centric perspective, so I'm sorry to everyone who doesn't work here who's listening, but like disrupt being this like enormous gravitic well that we have to stare at as it comes because it's a big deal yeah um like once i'm done with disrupt i'm just gonna breathe out like i know weeks and just like i'm not gonna coast into the end of the year because there's too much to do yeah but i'm gonna be less frantic you know exactly so i I hear you we're gonna turn inward we're we're definitely gonna turn outward too like let's (laughs) i i agree it's, it's really natural right like i think that there was like this weird like unnatural conversation that was happening over the past two years where it's like, we're always all growing always. And like when I talked to Maven a few weeks ago and they were talking about pivoting because their initial hypothesis didn't work, it was so refreshing because like, I don't think there's enough people to talk about unlearning and changing their mind in startups. And so I know this episode is now becoming just like the things that I want to be different. But I also think like there's such a power in talking about a pivot like it's not the end of the world. I don't think it's a different topic, though. I think it's the same topic. It's another form of building in public because if you share what you're doing and why you're doing it, that is building in public. And so it can be a financial results. It can be going heads down for a bit or it can be why you're changing tune. And I think, you know, you know what Maven did with that story? They let me know that they're serious people that they drove, I think it was nine million in GMV with their initial product. And they think they have a better way forward. And so now I'm expecting bigger and better results. They're back on my radar. I yeah. care about them again. And this is not just a journalist perspective. It's just people that read this stuff. And there are a lot of them. Yes, exactly. I'll end with the idea that like humility, I think, goes really far. And Alex, I think you do a good job with this on Twitter where you'll like ask questions. And I don't think a lot of people who take the build in public mindset, which I think we we do in some way, like ask questions, they kind of appear as with only takeaways. And I kind of wish that it was like a learn in public and build in public conversation, not just here's all the takeaways. I know the things. There's a temptation to do that, but we don't know all the things. <laughs> You've given away my secret. A, a lot of the time I ask a question in the morning and then I'm like, ah, nah, I'll go right about it. And then I have to go think it through. But like, that is where I do a lot of my public yammering. I think it's good for for everybody. You know, I, I, I to me, frankly, excessive clandestineness is an unnecessary blanket that I think is more smothering than warming. A lot of like hype begets other hype, which begets other hype. And at some point, we all kind of get to this place where we all think we're doing something that we're not doing. So anyways, with that kind of sad note, Alex, thank you so much for talking to me about building in public. I mean, we'll keep doing it and we'll probably keep being critical about ourselves and others. As long as we're holding ourselves to the same standards, we're holding everyone else to, I think it's I think it's fine. So if you have questions about equity, for example, how am I so smart? How do I always have a great quip? Um, send in your emails and we'll, uh, we'll ignore them. <laughs> we'll build. We'll build. Um, and we talked a lot about layoffs in this episode. So I feel like it's a good time to mention that we are offering a free pass for people who've been affected by layoffs to disrupt. There's an expo. It's really awesome. So hit up at Equity Pod. We'll probably link it in our show notes as well. Yep. But just wanted to flag that. I'm really happy that we're doing something. Like yeah, that. I didn't know we were doing that. Yeah, I thought, yeah, this is cool. So uh, I don't, I don't know if it's the entire thing, but you can access a whole bunch of the conference and like meet people. And if you're looking for a new gig, there's going to be a bajillion startups there in the Battlefield 200 and other places that are hiring. So great place to go find um, what's next, and then tell us all about it. Yes, everyone else, we will chat with you on Friday. But other than that, goodbye. 
Equity Wednesdays are hosted by myself, TechCrunch senior reporter Natasha Mascarenas. We're produced by Teresa Locansolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week.